ladies and gentlemen. Muscle Intelligence Podcast, the first one of 2024. Hope you had an incredible start to the year. Hope you had an incredible end to your 2023. I, I feel like I haven't checked in in a while. I've been um, deep in some really interesting and fun stuff. If you're following me on social media, which I hope you are. If you're not, go ahead and do that now. My team does a pretty good job of keeping me keeping you updated on what we do. We had an incredible eight-day retreat down in Costa Rica. Just a blast, and then honestly, family time throughout the holidays. So this is really for the first chance I got to sit down and record a podcast, and I thought I'd sit and dive into my longevity protocol for 2024. For many of you that do or don't know, big focus for me in 2023 was uh, improving my understanding of longevity. Because it seems like, at least in my world, there's a lot of people diving into this stuff, and there's a lot of people that are excited about it. And to be honest, for the first time in my life, I'm excited about it because previously, I kind of thought it was a little bit vague. I thought there was a lot of people hoping for things and not a lot of substantial evidence. But I've really changed my perspective on that. So I thought I would take a moment today or a little bit of time to dive into my longevity protocol, my thoughts on longevity, ultimately how to focus training and how to focus, or at least look at the opportunities that are presenting themselves in longevity because... If you would have asked me 12 months ago or even not six months ago, I'd say there's not really anything that's too substantial. And now as I look at it, the, there's more and more human data coming out. And the reason I would have been maybe not so excited about it in the past was a lot of the data was mouse data or C. elegans data, which is effectively a worm. And I was like, ah, you know, does that apply? And now there's a lot more coming out to humans. In fact, there's an enormous amount of stuff coming out, which is exciting. Now, extending your life to me sounds cool. But not all that exciting if the quality of life, the health span, the health span, so to speak, is not extended. So if you listen to this podcast, you're obviously someone who's very interested in, in not just living long and being in a hospital or in a nursing home, right? You want to have quality of life. And as you'll know, I'm the muscle guy and muscle building is an enormous part of that. So the way I see muscle intelligence evolving over the next 10 years is we're still going to be the best in the world at muscle building and that will always be our space. And I'm studying that a lot. I spend probably five to six hours a day studying, usually four to six hours, not seven days a week, certainly, but really just trying to stay up to date on the research and, and getting coached and mentored and, and uh, connected with the best experts in the world so that I can provide the best value for you. I know that doesn't always translate into me doing more podcasts, as you can see, because uh, I've occupied my time doing other things. But it does translate into me creating some incredible programs for my community of clients and ultimately in the future for you. And the programs we're really focusing on, there's a longevity-based program protocol, which some of my guys are in the middle of now. It's a six-month protocol, which I'll share in today's podcast. There's a muscle-building protocol, which ultimately has multiple phases. There's a fat loss protocol. There's a cardiac optimization protocol, heart optimization protocol, and there's a brain optimization protocol. So those are the five areas that muscle intelligence is really focusing our time and attention and resources to develop these robust protocols so that any specifically men over 40 women have a resource at their disposal to ultimately help you optimize the way you look, feel, and perform. Now, one of the things that I didn't say in there is nutrition protocol. And the reason I didn't say that is because I think nutrition protocols are so individual. I couldn't put out in good faith an effective nutrition protocol that works for everybody. I can give you basic nutrition principles but a nutrition protocol, I'm like, it's really hard to do because, and that's again, the transition into the concept of this, today's podcast is 
so much of your nutrition needs to be focused on you. It needs to be focused on your genetics, your history, your lifestyle, your goals, your blood work, right? I'm building out this seven-part diagnostic, which allows me to effectively look at all of these different areas of your current state and ultimately how it's interacting with your genetics and your history, and then determine the most effective course of action for you. That should be built out. Certainly within the next couple months, we'll have this really robust diagnostic to put you through. Whether you're a coaching client or not, I'll, I'll be offering it to you guys for no charge. Just come in, throw your data in here, and let's see what your top priorities are. That's one of my big projects that I'm working on in 2024, is this idea of giving us an uh, AI-driven diagnostic that ultimately can tell us the next steps to take. Should, should I be focusing on nutrition? Should I be focusing on lifestyle? Should I be focusing on training? Should I be focusing on all of the above? And ultimately, which uh, path to take to be most effective? So it's really important for us as men to acknowledge that nutrition must be individualized. There's no such thing as a protocol that works for everyone. Everyone right now is throwing fasting at them. I got to fast every day, or I'm going to do a vegan diet, or I'm going to do a carnivore diet. And Guys, just acknowledge that it may work for you for a short period of time, and it may work for a long period of time, but it will not work forever. And if you keep taking the mindless approach of throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks, eventually you're going to break down. Eventually something's going to break because ultimately you're not supporting an intelligent, effective approach for yourself. And I'm part of a lot of amazing men's groups, entrepreneurial groups, dad's groups, and it seems as though... The, a lot of the guys are just looking for something to do. Like, oh, sweet, I'm doing a three-day fast. Let's everybody jump in together. And you're like, yeah, cool, man. But the haphazard approach of I'm just going to throw whatever I think at the wall and, and see if it works, guys will fail you eventually. And I want you to know that uh, the only approach you should be looking at long-term is like, I need to be testing myself. And, and I'll tell you how I approach testing. Everyone should be testing themselves really extensively once a year. And that's a January thing for most of the guys in my group. We're going to do everything from blood, urine, and stool, and epigenetics, and see what actually the body is telling us we need. And you can do smaller ones every three to four months, which I advise, especially if you're doing big, big interventions like hormone interventions, you should be checking that every three months for sure, on peptide interventions, et cetera just to make sure there's not some system that's kind of going awry, but you should do one really extensive testing that could include a cardiac test, that could, could include a, a VO2 max test, that could include a DEXA scan. Get all of these different diagnostics in front of you so you can start making effective decisions for 12 months rather than going, oh, I'm going to make a decision for this week. Guys, it doesn't work. And I, I really feel for the guys in these communities that I'm part of and, and probably all around the world, they're like, oh, this guy says I'm going to try this cleanse right now. I'm going to do it with him. Like, yeah, I get it. And why? So surrounding yourself with a community of men and experts that can help you answer these questions in an intelligent way is really what Muscle Intelligence is about. We're building out this robust community of uh, experts in the health and fitness and performance space that can help you make these decisions like, hey, what should I be doing? And that's really what the diagnostic is going to be. The foundation of it's like, hey, do your diagnostic once a year. Let's see where you are. And and that so within the diagnostic, we're testing a number of things and we're testing physical capability, which you may think of like athleticism. How much of an athlete are you? How, how much can I do in all these different directions? We're going to check metabolic capability. So how healthy is your metabolism? We're going to check psychological capability. How likely are you to lean in on those hard things? And then physiological capability. How well does my body adapt to these things? And on top of that, we're going to look at epigenetics. We're also going to look at lifestyle and history. 
and see really where you fit. And that's really the long and short of this diagnostic. So gentlemen, giving yourself an opportunity to dive into what is the best path for me is really, really important. And so while muscle intelligence historically is known for being the hub for intelligent muscle building, the hub for effective training, we're really evolving that into this well-rounded approach to living your best life and ultimately muscle building as a foundation for longevity. There's tons of data now showing the more muscle you have, the longer you live, provided you're not doing excessive things to get there, like excessive hormone abuse to get there. I'm not against hormone replacement therapy for men over 40, certainly, but who need it. But if it's abuse, then you could ultimately push the system too hard. And one of the really great thoughts that I've been exploring lately is if you think of glucose, blood glucose, like when I eat, my glucose goes up, eat sugar or, or carbohydrate, my blood glucose goes up. If it goes up too high, you get enough inflammation response, you get a stress response. If it goes down too low, you get the same inflammation stress response. Well, it's probably very similar with many systems in the body, isn't it? And if, if we jam testosterone in and it goes really high and then plummets, it's when we start getting outside of those kind of normative ranges that bad things tend to happen. Or not bad things necessarily, but the stress response, right? Your body goes, oh shoot, I have to adapt to this thing. So we want to try to find this homeostatic place that allows us to keep everything in the optimal place for our body. And so anything you're doing, gentlemen, start, and, and that again, maybe what that sounds like is I'm against hormetic stresses or hormesis. Hormesis being intentionally subjecting myself to stressful things that causes my body or, or requires my body to adapt. Like a sauna or a cold plunge would be an example of hormetic stress, but not everything should be considered a hormetic stress. There's many things that maybe aren't ideal hormetic stresses, like we don't want to manipulate all systems in our body, maybe a little bit, but in general, the more the body can maintain this homeostatic place, seemingly the more effective we can be in living long. Now, that's not me saying that fasting once in a while is bad or saunas and cold is bad, not at all, but you have to just pick and choose because doing a sauna and a cold plunge every day will cause probably some negative effect. C certainly fasting every day will certainly cause some negative effect. Eating too much of a food every day, like protein, for example, will cause some negative effect, which is why I'm not the biggest fan of a carnivore diet long-term. I think short-term could be useful, <clears throat> but I think long-term, it, it's missing things. Every carnivore person in the world so far, except for Sean Baker, have kind of come to the conclusion, Sean Baker, I think, is still just doing meat. And again, Dr. Baker's a brilliant guy. But most carnivore guys are like, oh, I'm going to add in some fruit, animal-based. Anyways, coming back to the, the purpose of today's podcast, really giving you a framework from which to start making decisions when it comes to longevity, start doing some testing, guys. And if you want some support on this, just reach out to my team and we'll tell you the tests we do, no cost. Just jump on a call and we'll tell you what tests you should be doing. We're actually building some pages now that will be just resources I'll refer to on the uh, podcast. You guys can just go, hey, here's the test we do. You can purchase them through us or not. Once you have the results, you're welcome to come and have us help you support them. We're building an, an incredible health and wellness community, health and wellness team to help you support your best life, to help us all support our best lives because ultimately that's why we're here. And so there's probably five, maybe six different areas that I want to cover today. So the, the four, four basic ones that were kind of at the top of mind are training, nutrition, lifestyle, mindset. Those are your four basic uh, things that we need to look at when it comes to longevity. Well, how do I do these things? I'll walk through them today. And the other two that are a little more fringe are biohacks, what I call biohacks, and then molecules. And molecules encompasses hormones, pharmaceuticals, supplements. 
First, let's start with training. I've done endless podcasts on training, and I, I suspect you guys are looking for some more training podcasts because I get a lot of messages saying, hey, man, can you do trust about this? You talk about that. I've actually been doing some really interesting deep dives into the data around mechanisms, optimization, what is current in optimization of training, and a lot of new stuff coming out of that world. So the big way to think of it when it comes to training, and you can access this through any type of training, is you must begin to learn your limits. What are you capable of? And here's the catch. Limits are not often physical yet. Limits are typically mental first. So as an example, I hadn't done yoga in probably six months, four to six months. Come back to yoga. In the first three or four classes, I felt like 10 men. I was like, oh my gosh. And then once I've done maybe 10 days in a row, I was like, okay, I can see where my body is limited, where I can continue to push a little bit, where I need to push. And I can start to push my levels of capability in this type of training. Same thing in strength training. If I haven't done consistent, repeatable training, strength training, I have no idea what my limits are because my mind is going to be limiting my ability to train. We're often limited or we are limited by our perceived effort. Our perceived effort is going to limit our ability to work. And as we lift the ceiling of our ability to produce perceived effort or produce perceived work, then we can train more. And so if you haven't done a specific thing in a long time, let's say we say, hey, let's jump on a bike today. You haven't done a bike in six to 12 months. Your burning is going to be so intolerable. Your tolerable limit is going to be very low. Your ability to do work on that is very low. So when it comes to longevity training, you have to be consistent enough to start to push this tolerable limit up. This tolerable limit up in, in cardiovascular training, this tolerable limit up in mobility training, this tolerable limit up in strength and muscle building. We all have a tolerable limit that you've set or failed to set through inaction. And so if you want to start training, if you want to start being more effective, consistency is the key because we have to push that tolerable limit. And so I'm a great example. If I hadn't done yoga in a long time because I've just been wrapped up in other things, well, my tolerable limit was very low. I was like, man, I suck at this. 10 sessions later, boom, I'm back to not where I was, but very close. And so I can keep pushing that as long as I'm consistent. And this is why consistency becomes the most important thing because you start to become familiar with those limits, the tolerable limit being how uncomfortable I'm willing to get you start to become familiar with that. And if you've been there in the past, you can push it way back that level again quicker than most people can. So whether you're beginner or advanced, always just think about what am I able to tolerate right now mentally, my psychological tolerable level of discomfort, so to speak. And if I'm not willing to go into that discomfort, uncomfortable place, then you're not going to adapt. And the way you go into the uncomfortable place is frequency. Like you got to do it often. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a lot, but you got to get, you got to get into that place. And the faster we can move that up, the faster we can make progress. So if you're someone who's uh, new or advanced, just spend conscious time with those tolerable limits. And again, that exists in strength and hypertrophy. That exists in cardiovascular training, whether that be aerobic or anaerobic. And that exists in mobility training. And probably every different type of training it could be in jujitsu, could be in whatever. There's some tolerable limit that you can only learn to access through frequency, through consistency. Okay. How should I be training for longevity? Start there. Start there and start just pushing the limits of your tolerance and then start saying, where am I not tolerating a lot, right? If I have an opportunity, like for me, for example, I hadn't done yoga in a long time. That's a massive opportunity because 
I know what my standard is for myself. So my standard for myself is very high in mobility. Like I want to maintain a very high standard of mobility, not because I care about doing mobility training specifically, because I want a high level of physical capability. And I personally correlate my mobility with my physical capability, meaning I want to be able to jump over a fence with my kids. I want to be able to jump on a trampoline. I want to be able to do the splits with my daughter. I want to be able to to play basketball and hockey with my son. And if I don't have the joint mobility, the joint ranges available to me, then I can't do those things. So yoga for me is, yet my, yoga is not even a physical endeavor in general. It's a mindfulness endeavor. It's a breathing practice, but it also is a gauge for me. It's a diagnostic tool for me to see how well I move. And so my suggestion to you is start looking at, well, where's my opportunity? And so in this diagnostic within the muscle intelligence coaching community, we have these specific workouts that you do for us to see where your level of capability is. So we may have you do a set of six reps, five to six reps. Then we'll have you do a set of eight to 10. Then we'll have you do a set of 20, all with the same exercise. And we'll go, okay, well, where are you load-wise, weight-wise, relative to each other? Most people are pretty good at doing three to six reps. Most people aren't so good at doing set to 20. And that gives us an idea that when you start getting into those rep ranges, your ability to tolerate that discomfort is your maybe inability to tolerate the discomfort is overriding your ability to do the work. So we want to, there's an opportunity for us potentially to improve muscular endurance, to improve our ability to tolerate discomfort. Again, I'm not going to spend an enormous amount of time on training, but guys, at the foundation of what you do, pick a couple of basic exercises and it can be machines. It can be really simple stuff. It doesn't have to be complex stuff. Choose things you're really good at and start, and, and for every body part, one to two exercises per every body part, and start pushing your tolerable limit, your ability to tolerate strength, certainly, and discomfort and lactate accumulation, so that burn, and push it and do it consistently. So training programs don't have to be complex. They just have to be, at least in the beginning, they don't have to be complex. They have to be simple, but they have to be consistent. So moving along, changing gears, let's talk about nutrition. Let's talk about nutrition for longevity. Everyone's jumping on this fasting bandwagon. And I got to say that I think fasting is useful, but certainly overused right now. I think people are just doing too much daily fasting, extended fasts. And if you if, guys, if you're losing muscle, you're defeating the purpose. Is there value in doing some extended fasting to optimize for, for senescent cells? Sure. But you don't need to, to not eat anything to eliminate senescent cells. There's been recent research that shows that, hey, just being in a caloric deficit and exercising can get rid of senescent cells. Extended fast, certainly if you're someone who lacks muscle, is not a good idea in general. So finding ways to do some protein sparing modified fast, maybe, or just finding ways to be in a caloric deficit, maybe. You can still eat your one gram per pound of protein and be in a caloric deficit to maintain your muscle. Again, are you going to get the same benefits? I'm not sure, but you're certainly not going to start losing muscle. So you, you, this has to be a dynamic, and, and here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that fasting is bad. I'm not saying that fasting is good. I'm saying it's contextually appropriate. Meaning if you're someone who has a hard time building muscle, then fasting is probably not a good idea for you consistently because you're going to lose at least as much muscle as you are fat, depending on your level of stress. So I would say avoid for now until you can add an appropriate amount of muscle. Put more emphasis on adding the muscle and the fat will come down because most guys are doing this usually for fat loss or energy and you feel freaking awesome when you're fasting. I agree. But maybe it's just some type of protein sparing modified fast. Maybe it's just fat consumption. Can you live off olive oil for three days? Maybe you're going to get similar benefits that way because you're not stimulating mTOR pathways. But something to think about. 
Gents, when it comes to nutrition, here's what I want you to think about. Make sure you're eating enough calories, ideally 100% organic, and get enough protein. That's it. Stay away from processed foods. Stay away from artificial sweeteners and, and things like this. Just eat basically, eat really, really simply meat, vegetables, fruit, and some starch if you've earned it. I, and I'm not the biggest fan of starch for longevity purposes. Now, if we separate performance, completely different. We need starches for performance. We need potatoes. We need sweet potatoes. We need rice. I stay away from almost grains, maybe quinoa for some people. But in general, staying away from too many starches. And unless, again, if you're trying to build muscle aggressively, then we need those carbohydrates and starches. But if you're someone who's opting for longevity, then you'd want to stay away from it. However, you can flip between these two things. Nothing has to be forever. My suggestion is choose one goal for the next 90 days and go deep. So I coach 12 guys at a time. All my guys are currently training for our next training campaign. If you guys saw the one in Costa Rica, it was just phenomenal. So we've got our next one already booked up. It's in Marbella, Spain, second week in April. And we're about 90 days from it now. And all the guys are deep into this training. And we've got this really focus of we're going to add muscles so that when we get there, we're all training like beasts. These training camps are not easy. These are not for everybody. These gentlemen in my community are very, very unique. Guys who are super, super focused on family fitness and finances. Like these guys prioritize their health. They prioritize their fitness. They love to train and they love to go hard. We're very competitive against each other. And uh, I absolutely get involved and like we're pushing each other to the limits in every different direction. Now, not in an unsafe way. Not everyone has the same limit. We know that. So between now and, and uh, Marbella, we're all trying to find these limits. We're trying to push this tolerable limit up because when we get there, like we want to win against each other. Yeah. Everyone has this tolerable limit. I'm certainly going to push them to find over the next 90 days and of course beyond. So guys, we keep nutrition really simple. Get enough protein, one gram per pound as a base and getting enough carbohydrates to fuel performance. And the rest is filled with fat. And fats should typically be certainly animal fats, butter, lard, fine. Again, depending if you have cardiac issues, maybe you stay away from the saturated fats a little bit, but olive oil, usually from fruits. So it's olive oil, coconut oil, and maybe even avocado. That's kind of it. And that's, keep it simple, right? You can have some berries as your carbohydrates primarily, some squash, things like this. And that's going to be your optimal, seemingly your optimal diet right now for longevity. If we're talking about generic rules, my suggestion, don't follow generic rules, get things tested, find out what works for you. As an example, I often use, I was massively deficient in riboflavin. I would never know that. And so I got it tested. I started eating, consuming riboflavin, and my brain works completely differently, completely differently. When I don't take it, I know. I actually feel like my memory and my recovery of words is actually significantly decreased. Maybe I'm lacking some right now. Anyways, moving on, let's talk about lifestyle. I'm not going to spend huge amounts of time on this, but this is an enormous one. It's just not my area of expertise. Community, relationship, singular romantic relationship, family, and purpose. Those are the four words I put down when it comes to lifestyle. And you could also say manage your stress, right? So when we talk about measuring longevity through what we call an omic age test, these different omics like proteomics and metabolomics, we look at stress as being a negative override switch for all possible interventions, which is really interesting. So we could take all these really useful molecules, we can do all this interesting training, we can do all the stress and sleep, and, and probably inflammation are, are overrides, kill switches to progress. We have to make sure we're aware of those. So when you come into the muscle intelligence coaching, there's three things, there's actually six, but there's three that come to mind right now. I can share all of them. Three of the biggest ones are going to be stress, sleep, and gut health. 
as being your primary interventions. Like we need to make sure we're checking these boxes because these are override switches when it comes to any longevity intervention. So if you're trying to, I want to take testosterone to build muscle, like great, how's your stress? How's your sleep? How's your gut out? Because if those aren't in good order, then you're not going to at least have the interventions you're looking for in your life. All your interventions are going to be maybe like muted. So important to think about. And so mindset obviously ties in being the, the final or the fourth pillar. Stress obviously plays massively into mindset. Gratitude plays into mindset. Purpose plays into mindset. Living an inspired life plays into mindset. And Dr. John Martini is my, probably said this guy's name a thousand times on this podcast, but he's by far my favorite leader, we'll say, in the mindset and behavior space about teaching you how to access your most inspired life, setting goals, getting clarity, creating your, your mindful life plan, your master life plan, and living into it. And so it's as the beginning of the year is here, uh, gentlemen, create your master life plan. Go to drdmartini.com. He's got three-day courses. You've probably missed the North American one by now, but gosh, move heaven and earth to get that recording and buy the class and, and take it. Give yourself a weekend, go through it, map, map it out. It's just a game changer. All right, moving along, biohacks. And this is something I've been leaning in on a little bit lately, trying to see which of these actually has benefit because I've got my training in order, I've got my nutrition in order, I've got my lifestyle in order, got my mindset in order as a priority. And now... Let's, what is this going to add on top of that? Now we start looking at what I call biohacks and molecules. But unless you guys, unless you have these basic four in order, don't bother stacking these other things on top. They're going to have less of an impact if you don't have the basics covered. Think of the pyramid. We need the foundation of the pyramid before we can start stacking, stacking things on top. So what are some interesting biohacks? Well, some of you may know that I've done stem cells twice in the last 12 months. First time completely healed my torn Achilles tendon and completely healed, 95% completely healed my shoulder that was popping out 20 to 25 times a day when I slept. I couldn't put my hand above my head. I was like, Ben, you're losing muscle. I'm like, yeah, no shit. I didn't come out and say it, but I couldn't put my hand above my head because my shoulders kept popping out. When got stem cells done in four to six weeks, it was better. Unbelievable. The second time I went back, the difference I felt was different. I don't know that I felt the massive difference in my shoulder joints, but what I felt specifically was an energy that I had never felt in a very long time. And this is something that's stuck so, so far. My sleep is better. And I'm not sure if anyone's experienced this. If you have, if you've done stem cells, let me know. I think I'm just, my resting or my, my, yeah, my I guess my default body fat is lower. I'm not sure why. I think my metabolism is faster. I feel like maybe I've dropped systemic inflammation. So my body fat's dropped. Interesting. And again, I wasn't expecting that at all as a side benefit. So stem cells down in Mexico in a place in Puerto Vallarta called Dream Body Clinic. Shout out to Josh Kettner. Josh is great. This clinic was phenomenal. Everyone's a little bit sketched out about Mexico, which is why I went down. I was like, I got to test this for my guys. I'm not going to send my guys down here unless I go check it myself. And so I went down and Josh and his wife Venus are just incredible. They're super professional. They have a clinic in-house without sending cells out somewhere else to get the, the cells done. They're actually doing it in-house and picked me up at the airport, took me to the facility, first class all the way. It was really exceptional. And they're a super busy clinic. I think the credibility is there. And my benefit from being in that environment was tremendous. So I give a shout out to John Josh from Dream Body Clinic because I advocate for it. Again, I'm not in any way remunerated for supporting that. They just did such a great job that I, I want to give them a shout out. That's one. Did that twice. I'm actually thinking about going again sometime soon. Number two, plasma apheresis, where they basically take out your plasma. In your blood, you have red blood cells and you have plasma. 
they basically take out your plasma and they get rid of it. And in that plasma, they replace it with albumin. And again, in that plasma, there could be some really good growth factors and positive stuff, but there can be some negative stuff like proteins that maybe are causing genes that you don't want to be turned on. And so plasmapheresis I've done twice. And interestingly, I don't know about a any benefit, but some of the data says it's pretty useful. And I'm, not, I'm going to say, I'm going to give this one an undetermined as for now, uh, some people are very, very big on it. And some people are like, eh, I'm not so sure. Uh, my experience was don't know that it's any benefit other than just basically like giving yourself a, an oil change. You're kind of cleaning the plasma, which may be useful for a bunch of stuff. Again, subjective, but it's an expensive intervention. It's between three and $5,000. So as far as did I see a benefit for that amount of money invested? Not really. Another one, gene editing. Now, this is super interesting. Most of you may not even know this exists. There's only two that I know of as far as like genes that they're actually editing. I'm sure there's a million of them, but two that they're doing in stage two or three trials. First one being folostatin, which basically shuts down myostatin gene. Myostatin stops muscle building. So folostatin will, it would induce more muscle building. I know probably a half a dozen people that have done this. And again, it's mixed reviews. Some people are like, it's just remarkable. And some people are like, eh, I don't really see anything. So for 25K, I'm like, eh, I'm going to pass on this one for now. Uh, although the data is interesting, Clotho gene, the, the Clotho, K-L-O-T-H-O is another one they're doing. And this is one that's called the longevity gene. So basically this is the type of gene where there's people who live to 100 who are like smoking and drinking from the time they're 12. They usually have this enhanced version of this Clotho gene. And so they're doing some gene editing experiments on that now. And the cool thing about the gene editing they're doing is it's not permanent. So most times gene editing can be permanent, but they found a way to make it, uh, you can basically turn it off, which is interesting. Again, there's a specific doc in a very specific part of the world, and I don't feel comfortable sharing who that is, but he may one day uh, get him on the show, in which case, obviously, he would share. Another one in biohack that I, I think is useful is hyperbaric oxygen. I love it for healing and, and usually a hard chamber going down to three atmospheres of pressure. Check it out, guys, if you have the ability to access hyperbarics. The thing with hyperbaric that makes it maybe challenging for people is a good buddy of mine, Scott Schur, out of near San Francisco, is one of the top experts in the world. He's been on the podcast a long time ago. It seems as though you need multiple consecutive days to actually induce big benefits, so seven to 10 days in a row. He may disagree with that, but that's what I've seen in some of the research and some of the interventions I've seen guys utilize. So it ends up being time intensive and costly, but it Hyperbaric, especially if you're injured or if you have some type of trauma, hyperbarics are very good idea. Brain injuries, things like that. Hyperbarics are a really good idea. Cold exposure in saunas. Everyone in the world is talking about this stuff now. Don't overdo it. Do it often, but don't go crazy. It doesn't have to be a daily thing because I think that can induce other challenges as well. Now, the biohack is hormone replacement therapy. I've been messing around with some new stuff. Not really new. I'm doing testosterone. Most of you guys know that. I'm at like 60 to 200 milligrams of testosterone a week. I change it based on how I feel or if I'm losing muscle. I'll bump it up a little bit. And then human growth hormone, which I'm not doing right now, but I was for a little bit. I was doing just like 1.6 I use a day for longevity, not for muscle building. And then some thyroid, based on the recommendation of Dr. Terry Hertog on the podcast, I've been trying 30 grains of armor thyroid, which is a naturally occurring thyroid. And I think I do see a difference in mental clarity and energy. I feel like I might be losing a little bit of muscle from it because it's spent up my metabolism a little bit. So the, the way to counteract this is just bump the pro daily protein up a little bit, which I'll do as of now. So in general, that's those are all the, bio, I'm sure there's a million other biohacks. Like I can think of PEMF and a million other things that we could be doing for biohacking. But those are the ones that I think are kind of the big levers. 
And the other ones are leave something or ABC. One thing that comes up actually that I didn't write down is blood flow restriction training, like a CATSU device. Interesting. If anyone has injury or anything like that, CATSU might be a good thing to think about. Now with the molecules, I've written down, let's see, I'm going to go here, 32 different supplements that have utility in longevity. That's a lot. A couple of them are pharmaceuticals. It's a lot. And there's no way that actually, I think I have every single one of these in my supplement cabinet, which is crazy. And to learn how to do them, certainly not going to do every one every day, but to learn how to do them in a protocol, gosh, it's extensive and it's probably going to cost you an enormous amount of money. But I'll drop this list in the notes for this podcast, the, the summary notes, so you guys can look through them. And there's a small number that, and again, I think all of them could be useful depending who it's who it is. Small number of them seem to have an enormous amount of research behind them, like quercetin, dacetinib seem to be super useful. Of course, it's in zinc as well. NAC and glycine seem to be super useful. Calcium alpha ketoglutarate, obviously fish oils, CoQ10, PQQ, resveratrol. These are all things that have massive amounts of data behind them as far as epigenetic benefits. But again, I'll throw all this in the show notes. You guys can check that out. And no links, no affiliates, just want you guys to have this list. And rather than spending an hour going through them all, there's a few. Again, to be honest, I have every one of these in my vitamin cabinet and I do them sporadically. I'll do two weeks or 30 days of one, and then I'll stop for a couple months. And then I'll do two weeks to 30 days of another one, then I'll stop for a month. And I do it based on my labs. I do it based on how I feel. I do it based on my stress levels. I do it based on my energy levels. Certain Because I know the mechanisms behind these. I know I probably, based on what I'm doing right now, my life is showing, I need specific ones now. And it's not everyone knows that stuff. And that's why I don't want to go into the depth. If you guys are interested, you guys can leave me a note and I'll do a podcast on all these things. I'll bring somebody on who can be an expert and talk about this. I think I'm enough of an expert to give you guys the direction of all these. The one thing that I do want to mention, that's a biohack. So the, the six-month protocol that I put together for my guys is really focused around the research of Dr. Vladimir Kavinson. He's a, a Russian researcher who's been doing research on humans for over 50 years and has an enormous amount of human data on the value of peptide bioregulators. I'm not going to give you the deep dive on right today, but if you're someone who's interested in longevity, do yourself a favor, look these up because these might be the biggest game changer I've found, certainly from the data. Again, we're, we're doing our own six-month experiment amongst my community where these seem to be the biggest game changer as far as human data that I found so far. Just look up, there's 21 different peptide bioregulators. Each one is uh, associated with a specific organ in the body or specific system in the body. And the data on these is pretty tremendous. If you want to look up some cool stuff on uh, YouTube, the, I will link to this in the show notes. There's two guys, Vladimir Kavinson, it's not easy to find anything from him directly. He's primarily based in St. Petersburg, Russia. But Dr. Bill Lawrence, who's I think in Georgia, and then Phil Mikens, who's somewhere in the UK, are very good resources on this stuff. Mikens, M-I-C-A-N-S, are very good resources who will both be on the podcast and uh, have been on other people's podcasts, which I suggest you check out. Gentlemen, ladies, Thank you for being here. Shout out to our sponsor for today, our friends at Bioptimizers, just always providing the highest quality ingredients. If you're not already a customer of Bioptimizers, head over to muscleintelligence.com slash bioptimizers, or you can get a go over to bioptimizers.com slash muscle and ultimately pick up every aspect of their entire product line for 10% off. Use the code muscle at checkout and my endorsement couldn't be higher. The products are great. Highest quality magnesium I use every day. Highest quality proteolytic enzymes I use every day. 
Gents, if you're over 40 and you're eating protein, you need proteolytic enzymes and you're not going to beat mass enzymes. So uh, again, shout out to our friends at Bioptimizers for always continuing to support our incredible podcast and supporting our incredible mission. Thank you to you for supporting our incredible mission. If you did enjoy this podcast or any of our podcasts, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with at least one person you know and love who is on a mission to live long and be strong. Gents, ladies, have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning in to Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.